0: Belling up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. My name is Craig. This is Minor League News and Brews, where I bring you coverage on everything within the Pirates minor league system, and some delicious beers at the end of the episode. But as I was sitting down today, and if people don't know, I you know write out a outline of what's going to be going on and what I'm going to be talking about and. You know, hopefully, you know, possibly who interview questions for people that I may be interviewing and my outline kind of got turned on its head a little bit because the Pirates made some moves on the major league team and they needed to make some room so one of my favorite players uh, throughout the system has been uh, for the past four years, since I went down to uh, Charlotte, the Stone Crabs, who are no longer, you know the Tampa Bay Rays uh, affiliate down there and at the time the, the Bradenton Marauders were the high A affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I went down there to see Travis Swaggerty play. I went down to see Mason Martin um, had been showing off a ridiculous amount of power in Greensboro at that time, the low A affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. but a player caught my eye and that player was Cal Mitchell. And like I said, I became a fan of Cal Mitchell. This is a fan podcast. This is not a podcast of somebody, you know, that's affiliated with, you know, M- MLB Pipeline or FanGraphs or anything like that. Everybody knows that this is just me, and on our weekly podcast that comes out on Wednesdays, Bucks in the Basement, me and Chris. This is a fan-driven podcast. So yes, I am a fan of these these minor league players and I try to you know keep an unbiased eye or some unbiased opinions and it, that is tough at times but you know watching Cal develop you know from Bradenton up through Altoona, Indianapolis, it really got me thinking about how I don't know, I think I maybe pick my favorite players differently than other people Um, a lot of the times you know especially you know in the early uh, 2010s and even now with him being back you would see the McCutcheon jerseys uh, the Josh Bell jerseys Brian Reynolds jerseys now uh, Brian Hayes jerseys I'm usually for some reason the guy that likes you know maybe I wouldn't say the most random player but you know definitely not the best player um on any team and really at any level growing up uh, young age my favorite player was was Michael vallier Michael vallier absolutely you know very solid player but obviously not one of the best players on those teams going up through the 90s I would latch on to players like Dale's fame playing at third base. I, John Wayner was, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. I did have, you know, maybe a little bit, and I wouldn't say higher level, but maybe towards the top of that, I, I was a huge fan of Neil Walker. And, and on this team, like if somebody asked me who my favorite player is, I mean, I'd probably lean towards maybe like a Connor Joe type player I mean I like Brian Reynolds I like Brian Hayes but for some reason I seem to choose the player who may not be you know the best player within that team and I kind of found myself maybe doing the same uh, within the minor leagues and I don't know if everybody else does this either so like if if you look towards Indianapolis I, I would probably say that you know Prior to today, I mean, I know he's been on the IL, but I'd probably say that, you know, that Cal Mitchell, you know, what was my favorite player on the Indianapolis Indians. Uh, last year, everybody knew that, you know, Cal Mitchell, when he was down in Indianapolis, was just absolutely, you know, smoking the ball. He was hitting the cover off the ball, slashing 339, 391, 547, nine home runs and 261 plate appearances, 38 strikeouts. 17 walks came up to pittsburgh and got a decent look and and that's where like you know maybe you know it it was a success you know being a fan of him uh for that many years for because a lot of players you would you know become a fan of on on the bradenton marauders now or even the greensboro grasshoppers now there's really no guarantee they're going to make it to the major leagues Cal was a guy that struggled, slashing 226, 286, 349, did have five home runs, but 52 strikeouts and 18 Ks. His defense was exposed a little bit. He's a right fielder. Um he covered a little bit more ground than maybe people would have expected, but, you know, he had a little bit of a, a, a wouldn't say a weak arm, but definitely not a strong arm. But this year, you know, I was looking for a lot of the same stuff from Cal was thinking, you know, maybe he would be getting the call up as opposed to like a Josh Palacios that maybe he would, you know, find his way onto the roster, like Ken Smith and Jigba has a couple of times, not that he's gotten very many plate appearances, but an extremely disappointing season uh, for Cal Mitchell slashing 264, 338, 426, did have nine home runs in those 300 plate appearances. So, I mean, you did see some of, you know, the same power, but 88 strikeouts was just not seeing the ball as well, not hitting for average base on balls, definitely dropped the 28 base on balls. those 300 plate appearances. So, I mean, Cal probably, you know, makes his way through waivers probably finds his way to being a depth piece, but but definitely doesn't have the same outlook that I had for him, you know, especially going into last year and even, like, into the beginning of this year. And that really got me thinking about, like, who my players, my favorite players are at, at every level. And right now at AA in Altoona, it's it's 21, it's a 20, just turned 22-year-old Chung-Chi Chang, uh, he turned 22 uh, back in July. He was this guy who you know I saw him in Bradenton last year. Didn't like hit that great slash 270, 376, seventy six four eighteen. But I mean, if you've listened to previous episodes before, I a lot of times look for the the base on ball to you know strikeout ratio down there. He did strike out 95 times, but walked 63 times, and you know and. At the beginning of this season, it looked like you know, everything that I was thinking about him when he came up to Greensboro was you know maybe I'm I'm on the right you know, the right th- way of thinking here. Uh, he you know slashing 308, 406, uh, 575 did have nine home runs, but as as we've talked about here before on this program, in the South Atlantic League, it's just like I mean it's it's a hitter's playground, and he there's nine home runs. And he had the good, you know, he had 47 Ks, 35 walks, I uh, has struggled, you know, coming up to Altoona from going to a place where, you know, you could hit those home runs, where, you know, hitting stuff off of the wall to a, a much larger ballpark um, in P&G Field. Uh, Right now, he's slashing uh, 266, 317, 352. Does have a couple home runs, but has only walked 13 times while striking out uh, 43 times. Going down to high A, I... A guy I saw play last year and I I think maybe sometimes I'm starting to think about this as I'm talking about it is that you know when I see a player actually play live then maybe I get you know more invested in a player and that player is Jace Bowen just added to the MLB pipeline top 30 this would be uh, the second time in as many years that he was added to that list because when I went and saw him play down in Bradenton last year he was slashing 278, 355, 450. I uh, did see a little bit of a strikeout problem. He had 110 Ks, 38 base on balls. Power was definitely there. 14 home runs. He was only 21 years old. Got the promotion to Greensboro uh, shortly after I saw him and also shortly after he was added to the top 30 list, which he fell off of with you know some additions, and just some evaluations in the offseason. Also, you know, the drafts kind of pushes some guys off that are, you know, those fringe uh, top 30 players. But also, I mean, in Greensboro, he slashed 176, 211, 324, did have 35 strikeouts, five base on balls, and three home runs. And this year... I mean, everybody's going to look at, you know, the home run total. I'm pretty sure that at this point in time right now, he leads all of the Pirates minor league players in home runs. He has 23 home runs. Uh, the first thing I look at, though, everybody knows this. I went straight to the uh, the Ks and the base on balls. The K rate is not super high. It's uh, He's struck out 119 times, works out to a 24.5% K rate. Uh, but is has only walked thirty four percent, which is around seven percent. So usually, if you're seeing those those K rates creep up over twenty, and especially towards twenty five and thirty, you want to see uh, those walk rates up over uh, you know ten percent. I had a conversation with somebody on Twitter here. This morning, and was they were talking about how like Nick Gonzalez strikes out a lot, and Nick Gonzalez, I mean, believe he does strike out a lot, a lot of times, you know, creeping up over that thirty percent, but for you know his minor league career, he usually has that walk rate around like thirteen percent, so that kind of can justify some of that a little bit. Uh, Slashing two fifty seven. 332, uh, 472. So, I mean, if you're going to see a lot of that power in Greensboro, it's kind of, like, surprising to me. Like, that, that walk rate's a little bit higher. Like, the OPS is, you know, just creeping over that 800 mark, which is good. But in Greensboro, I mean, unless it gets towards, like, that 850 to almost, like, 900... I'd say he's having a decent season, uh. but I wouldn't say that, you know, it's it's this lights-out season. Um, I, I heard somebody call him, like, a, you know, a forgotten prospect or something, and that they don't know why he wasn't being moved up. And, and I wish I remember where exactly I heard that at. But when I heard that, it, it was kind of confusing to me because I'm like, yeah, Jason's having, like, a decent year. But, I mean, definitely not having, like, this lights-out year. And especially like when a player plays in Greensboro, and you say he has those twenty-three home runs, it's like a lot of the times you have to go to the staff and the scouts and different stuff in that area to see, you know, exactly, you know, what's going on with his swing, what they're working on with him. Um, I definitely do see him coming up to Altoona, you know, next year. But, I mean, I really wouldn't rush him. He's turning 23 here, actually, on the day that this will hit your ears on 9-2. So he's turning 23 years old, still a very young guy, uh, drafted as a high school player, and, and has been a solid performer but I definitely would like to see a little bit more from him. And I mean, as you know, we talked about last week, you could see, you know, possibly some drop in production, Matt Gorski, when he went from you know, Greensboro uh, to Altoona kind of slowed down a little bit, Matt Frazier, same thing. So, I mean, we're really going to have to see what happens, you know, with Jace Bowen next year, uh, moving down to low a Rodolfo Nolasco, uh, has been my favorite player there for the past two seasons, Was really looking for a little bit more from him this season. Um, He was 20 years old last year, slash 239, 330, 425, 11 home runs. Definitely had a decent amount of strikeouts, 109 strikeouts uh, to 37 walks. Was looking for a a lot more from him this year, and he's almost going to turn 22. Turns 22 at the end of this month. Uh, Still 21, but right now, like, you know, the the on-base percentage has gone up a little bit from 330 to 355. Seeing the average dip from 239 to 214 has right around the same amount of power, 425 to 422. Has 16 home runs in, you know, about 44 more plate appearances, so... I mean, still a young guy, but was looking for him to take more of that step forward. But these are obviously not guys that are usually, if you're saying, like, who's your favorite player on a team, it's not going to be that. And going down, I'll even go down to the FCL. Axel Plaz, 16 years old last year in the DSL, uh, wrote about him before the season started, reached out to him, talked to him. I mean, he just absolutely tore up the DSL, and especially for a 16-year-old kid. Uh, 382, 500, uh, 706, three home runs. The big thing for me once again there, seeing only 16 Ks to 13 base on balls. This year was a very aggressive promotion. Definitely like to see it. Like to see players challenged. Uh, But he went slash line 144. 354, 237, one home run, 41 Ks, 21 base on balls. Um, Probably going to start out in the FCL again next year. I mean, if he would have performed a little bit better, you know, definitely not writing this kid off, but I mean, everybody would have said, oh, you know, Yerry De Los Santos or Esmeralda Valdez. Like a lot of players that I absolutely like and love, you know, and and Michael Kennedy is another guy I think of from the FCL. But, you know, I'm pretty much thinking that most people aren't there. Like, you know, Axial Plaza is like my favorite player, you know, in the FCL. So it's just like a, a little bit of a look, you know. And I like I said, I went off the rails a little bit here because it wasn't something I was planning on talking about. Um, but, you know, just wanted to put inside like, you know, these are like the favorite players. And yes, I cheer for everybody in the minor leagues you know to succeed but I mean it's just it's a tough thing man it's it's tough to go from level to level and it's especially tough when you make that leap from AAA to the majors it's not always going to work out. In about an hour here, I'm going to sit down and do exactly what I did less than a week ago, this past Saturday. Paul Skeens got his first start in Altoona. And after that start, there was just, I'm starting to think that there is possibly, and this is going to sound kind of crazy for a guy who's putting out a minor league podcast every week, But I'm thinking that there is like an information overload and it's times we're trying to maybe give, you know, maybe a little bit too much information um, about what's going on down in the minor league system. Um, As everybody knows at this point in time, you know, Paul Skeens didn't have his best stuff. They talked about it afterwards that he was going to go, you know, he was supposed to go at most like two innings, didn't even last at a full inning, didn't have, you know, a ton of control, had some, you know, walks, hits, did have the velocity, got some strikeouts. Um, But for me, like, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, okay. You know, if he has a bad start, like I'm not making an excuse for him, but if he has a bad start, like I'm just like going to move on and be like, OK, he's probably going to start again in a week and we'll kind of see how that one goes. But there was some tweets out there and and this is like if people were like, you know, watching the stuff on on game day. And watching you know the zones and where the pitches are at and stuff, it just made me laugh like so hard. The people were like, "Oh, he's getting squeezed in the zone." I mean, and th- look at those dots. I mean, like, that's a strike and different stuff like that. And, like, to see people, like, immediately come back and say, oh, yeah, I was at the game and, yeah, it definitely looked like he was being squeezed and, you know, some of that stuff would have been tight. I mean, dude, we're all we're all amateurs at this. I mean, like, it, it's just absolutely hysterical. But then to to know and to then see, like, some of the people who, you know, are the actual professionals covering the team – uh come out and basically say hey guys there's an intern that is sitting here in the press box and is putting those dots in with like the best guess of of where it could go and the some people don't even take back that it was like well uh well maybe he wasn't being squeezed and then it goes even further where people are like breaking down every single pitch and like I said it, it is exciting like i'm going to be watching his start here in a few minutes and start is a very loose term, but, but for, you know, for people to like take this much and and not understanding that a lot of times they may be even looking at him and saying, you know, we want to see how you pitch in this zone. We want to see how a certain pitch works. We want to see you not throw your, this best pitch. We want to see how your other stuff works And to people basically, like, look, and, like, I saw somebody went, like, pitch by pitch. It was like, well, this one was pretty close and could have been called a strike, and it was actually a good pitch, and, you know, there was a seeing eye single. Well, you know what, the guy got the bat on the ball, and that's what he's paid to do. And, you know, Paul Skeens is is paid and will be paid a lot of money and and has already gotten a lot of money to not let them hit the ball. So, I mean, I just really think that, you know, at some point in time, there may be just like like an information overload and that, you know, I took an entire episode and broke down you know, what some of the stats and what I look at and like I said, I am an amateur as well, but what you're actually looking at from players at these different levels, but I mean a guy who Ben Charrington has come out and basically said we'll pitch twenty innings or less. The minor league season is running out. Jason Mackey has you know, come out and said that they've basically, you know, said it's not going to be. I was in one of his articles talking to Ben Sheridan, It's not going to be at the major league level. Uh, originally, I thought it was going to be a couple starts in the FCL, and then maybe, you know, give him a little bit of time off, and then, you know, give him those normal what would be for a starter you know, usually around 15, 16 innings in the Arizona Fall League and not get more than three innings, well, maybe they're doing it an Altoona and maybe he still, you know, could pitch in the Arizona Fall League. But at some points in time here, I think that, you know, there may just be a little bit too much information out there and people kind of making something out of, know what it really isn't i mean the I, I mean i look at exit velocities i look at you know pitches down there but we also don't know like what the coaches the development staff what they are telling you know, player a or player b or player x or whatever it may be to do during those starts so i mean at least for right now my advice to everybody is like when Paul skeen makes a start and the other part is that like the people that are saying like he's an absolute bust because he's given up this stuff like i mean those people are are even worse than other narratives that are you know being pushed out there a little bit but it would be to kind of like you know at least for this season to kind of sit back and enjoy and actually celebrate to a certain degree that we are getting to see our 1-1 one, one, uh, pitch and actually get out there and get on the mound where, you know, in previous seasons, if it was a pitcher and it was a 1-1, one, one, most likely we wouldn't see him pitch until the next year. And then, you know, previous 1-1s one, or previous first-rounders not really – being uh, there was you know some problems last year with with milb you know not you know streaming as many games there's more streaming this year so not getting to see those players play so for me just kind of sit back enjoy him if he has a good outing hopefully you know I, what you want to see, but if he has a bad outing, then it would be something for him to learn from but I wouldn't be putting too much emphasis on the stats that Paul Skeens generates during his 20 or less innings in the minor leagues this season a pitcher of beer a pitcher of beer let's order another pitcher of beer that pitcher of beer should come over here i love that picture of beer all right guys it is time to review some beers i i went with a, a strange variety pack i should say here but it really caught my eye um it was called the european variety pack and it's from eliacottville brewing um it is up in new york i i think when I went to see the Seawolves game, I my wife had picked me up um, one of their beers. Uh, strange fact is that one of my neighbors, one of my good buddies, um, his brother got married up there and he had brought me some beers back home from them as well. So it's, it's a brewery that I've become a little bit familiar with. And so I wouldn't usually go with the European stuff uh, just because it's not usually like my favorite types of beers. Um, But the first beer that they had there, the first one that I tried, was their Vienna Lager, coming in at 5%. Smooth beer. Gave it a solid 425, weighted based on batting average. Bring that down to about a 375. The next one I pulled out was the Czech Pilsner, coming in at 5.7%. Gave that one a 425 as well. Bring that down to 375. And this is the next one is not a beer that I have like an absolute ton. I can probably count on one hand the number of black lagers, their Schwarz beer, the German beer coming in at actually a a 5%, which I was a little bit surprised by. I thought it was going to be a little bit heavier, but it was actually my favorite beer in the pack. It was I gave it a 450 bring that down. To 400 and the last one these ones are my wife's favorite I just had the one uh, the other two from the pack I'm gonna leave for her she's a big Maybach drinker she likes the box the box gets a little bit too heavy for me so we're gonna have what I think is the first one of these on our 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 beer reviews here and it's gonna be like kind of the reverse of weighted based on batting average. Because for me, maybe I did a sour and, and got one of those because it was something that shocked me. But like sours and like the heavier beers are not something I would usually go towards. I'm more of like the P- Pilsner Ale IPA type of guy. This one came in at 8%. I myself gave it the 350, but with the reverse, the weighted based on batting average average. Goes up to 400. It was actually a pretty solid beer. Not something I would drink all the time. My wife's going to enjoy the other two. But definitely a, a very a very good beer. From a very good brewery. So if anybody sees that out there. And you're into the European variety. Be sure to pick that up. But until next time. There is no more go FCL. Because they were eliminated from the playoffs. But for right now let's go indians let's go curve let's go hoppers and let's go marauders